0: Today what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you an instance in Scripture when Jesus not only tells us but shows us just how important it is to love to serve and to honor others above ourselves. People who deserve it. People who don't. People who are clean. People who are unclean John 13 I believe will show us an image that I hope we don't soon forget let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for this day thank you for giving us the ability to have relationships with one another thank you for giving us the ability to laugh the ability to be compassionate and empathetic with one another Lord, this morning I hope that you would help us to see things in a little different way. Or, at the least, to be reminded of things we may have already known but haven't quite known what to do with it. Thank you for all of our members, for all of our guests, Lord. Those people who have found their way into this room, I pray that they would leave blessed and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a man named Henry Nowen. Um, He is a prolific author. He is a a man who found his way into being a professor at uh, Notre Dame, Yale, Harvard. Uh, He was a man who was well known in certain circles. Uh, He traveled the world. Speaking to people about theology, about God's grace and mercy, but at the height of his influence, he had this sudden call for a complete shift in his ministry. Uh, he was introduced to an organization in Europe called L'Arche. I didn't know how to say this, but I, I found out it's L'Arche, and this is a community that is designed to house and serve disabled people and it's worldwide they've got several homes throughout the world Uh, he went to a retreat at L'Arche in France and felt the call to move into this ministry this is not a small event for him to do this in most people's eyes was a step backward So as he uh, moved to a large home in uh, Canada, he began a new season of his life. And when he arrived, they assigned him to care for a man named Adam. Now Adam was 25 years old and he suffered from severe epilepsy. There was not a day that went by that he did not have a massive seizure or two. Uh, His job was to wake this man up. To take him to the bathroom, to bathe him, to clothe him, and to do all of those things needed to do. Brush his teeth, comb his hair, and get him to the main uh, area for food and exercises throughout the day. Um, Then in the evenings, he would go get him and he would take him back to his room and he would get him ready for bed. Doing all the things he needed to do, Um, change him whatever, he would be responsible for Adam. So for the next several years, this Harvard professor, this famously prolific theologian who has influenced world leaders and popes, would focus on caring for one disabled man named Adam. He talks about this, he talked about this in several Uh, Events well after the fact, but this was difficult for him. It was overwhelming at first and and all these self-centered feelings started coming to the surface. You know, I'm too important. I'm a professor. I should be writing instead of cleaning this up. I should be doing this or that. Surely God has something more important for me to do. But with each passing day, he realized that this responsibility was not a burden. For him, it became a gift. Now we all know the golden rule, do unto others before they do unto you. No wait, that's not how it goes. Do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. We all know that. We've been learning that since we were children. What if God is calling you to do unto others even though you may not like it? to do unto others, even though it may be a little bit humiliating, even though it may be a little bit demeaning, even though it may make you vulnerable or even humiliate you. What if God is calling you to do unto others, even though it's something you really don't want to do? How would you respond? John 13, 1 through 17, we're going to read this. It's a long piece of text. I'm going to read the entire story. It's also in our app. We have notes in there, and you can follow along if you'd like. Let's go and read this together. John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. I <laughs> love that. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How many times have you imagined this last supper moment? If you're like me, it's probably been a lot. Sparks the imagination and... And this has inspired believers from the very beginning to remember the sacrifice of Jesus as, as holy and sacred. In fact, in Acts 2, it talks about how they would remember this moment, this communion bread and wine moment, as often as they met. And they didn't just meet on Sunday. They would remember this in this way, with bread and wine, any time that they met. When you gather in the name of Jesus, you form a community that remembers. And it's a moment we continue to remember here. But what I find interesting is that we have a bread and wine moment, but there's no real similar moment when it comes to what Jesus did at this Last Supper. And what's interesting is that this is the central action of Jesus during this Last Supper. The washing of the feet is a central action that Jesus does. Now, since we really don't have feet washing as something we do anymore, hopefully you do it, but we don't really do it in the meal time, you know. I mean, we don't really have that as a mark of hospitality anymore. So a lot of us, we tend to see, and this is me, sometimes I've seen this as kind of more of an object lesson or a metaphor. So, so the question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with this moment? For now, what I want to do is I just want to simply focus on this awkward and unexpected moment. So picture the scene. I initially wrote this like a screenplay, you know. You know, camera widens out. But it had all these terminology. I don't know if people would really get that. So let's just picture the scene for a moment as if it's a film of some sort. It's evening and because it's Passover, the smells are good there's there's good food it's a celebration there's probably they've been saving there's probably more than enough food in this particular instance you see certain people in little groups and they're talking maybe you see Judas looking a little bit more serious than normal maybe he's trying to hide his struggle he's uncomfortable maybe he's not making eye contact Maybe we see Jesus looking into the direction of Judas. Maybe Jesus is looking right at him, his bread in hand still, as he gets up and leaves. And then Jesus returns with a towel on. Now, all these disciples who had been kind of laughing and talking and doing whatever they were doing just for the moment, suddenly it gets a little quiet. The whole group, all of his disciples. Notice it says disciples. It doesn't say apostles. A lot of times we tend to see this moment with just the 12 men. But it doesn't say that. It says the apostles. So it's most likely that all of Jesus' followers, his close followers, the ones who were with him, men and women, Mary, the other Marys, they're all there together in this place. So Jesus returns in a towel like a slave, wash basin in hand, and moves around to each person in the room, each person, and begins to wash their feet, all of them, Judas included. Now foot washing was a basic hospitality. We may tend to believe that full service foot washing was something that they always did, but it wasn't really the case. If it was an informal setting, a lot of times they would have a bowl. Even in some of the formal settings, they didn't offer that. There would be a bowl, maybe at the entrance or somewhere in the room, and a towel. Self-serve, if you will. But if it was a formal occasion, a serious moment, something that was special, a lot of times, and if there were slaves, then this would be a service they would offer the people to honor them and to give them respect and to let them know just how thankful we are that you are here with us. And oftentimes this reverted to the lowest slave, which was usually probably a girl, lowest slave in the room, probably a female. It was a way to honor each and every guest, and if one guest was extra special, they would probably, at the very end of it, after they washed everybody's feet, they would put oil or some sort of a odorous You know, ointment on someone's feet. You saw that, what Mary did for Jesus. So that was something that would happen. But this was something that was done before the meal even started. Here, the meal's already well underway. So this means that as Jesus gets up, the meal's underway. You know that this is an intentional moment that is going to be a lesson for his people to remember he is wanting them to remember this moment this is the central action of this moment so jesus teacher leader messiah he shows what it looks like to care for a group of people who in some ways are still spiritually disabled He puts aside his status, he puts aside his position and his dignity, and he does something only reserved for the least of these. A young female slave is quintessentially the least of these in that time frame. And because Jesus is washing their feet, because he does this act, he is presenting each of them as an honored guest who is worthy of attention and respect, love, most of all, love. Now to everyone else in this room, this is a humiliating moment for Jesus. This is their teacher. I'm trying to think of, a, of some way I can explain this. And all I can think of is, is something like, you know, um, the Tesla guy. What his name is? I don't know. Yeah, Musk. Imagine Musk doing the grunt work. Now, he probably had at some point, but he, got, he has gotten to a position where he has people. No one will ever expect him to do any manual labor again. In this setting, one of our most respected people, if you found them cleaning toilets, in your mind you'd be thinking, what is he doing that for? That's beneath him. Or you'd go, aw. It's a little humiliating. Because that's the way our minds work here in America, where we fight to succeed. And once we arrive, we don't have to do those things that are humiliating anymore. To everyone in this room that Jesus is, is, is serving and, and, and washing the feet of, they all this is humiliating for them. And it was awkward. I don't know how to explain how awkward this was either. Maybe just watch an episode of The Office. Maybe that's an, an awkward moment for you. But, but this is even worse than that, because this made. This made Peter angry. That no is emphatic. You shall never wash my feet. What is the subtext there? You shall never wash my feet. When was the last time you told God no? Whenever we looked at God and he was wanting us to do a thing and you say, eh no, thanks, I'm good. Of course, Jesus didn't rebuke Peter. Didn't get mad. He simply said something that I think we tend to brush past. Very matter of fact statement. He says, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter's reaction is priceless. I don't even know if he realized what he was signing up for, but he says, Okay, I'm ready. Head, feet, hands, everything. I think, I wonder when they looked back at this moment as they remembered. Jesus washing their feet of every disciple in that room, if they remembered him washing the feet of Judas as well. The unclean one. Every one of you are clean, although not all of you, he says. But this wasn't just an object lesson, because as students of Scripture, what we see is that this is a command. This is something Jesus is telling us to do. Do. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I don't want us to get bogged down in the details of what is modern day foot washing anymore. But what I would say is that if it shows somebody love, honor, and respect at the cost of your dignity and pride, Jesus tells us we should be willing to do that. We should be willing to lower ourselves, put others first, put ourselves last, give others respect and attention, even be willing to care for others in those moments where, um, you know, they deserve it, and in those moments when they really don't. Wash one another's feet, even if we don't feel like it, even if we don't really want to. And in the church. In this community, we should at least be willing to do that for our brothers and sisters. Even if one sits on this side of the room and one sits on this side because there's some long-standing argument. Still, we should at least in the church be willing to do this for one another we want to or not one of the main ideas that comes from this entire foot washing scene is something that that just hit me this week and it's this there is no social hierarchy in the church no hierarchy in the family of God no one is above anyone else no one we hear this echoed in Paul's letter to the Galatians in Galatians 3 28. We've heard this a lot too. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, and there's male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Where do you think Paul got this from? I think he he was told that this moment one of those probably stuck with him. May have been this moment. We don't know, but but shouldn't we all be willing to honor others above ourselves to serve one another, even if it's inconvenient, even if it means doing something that may seem beneath us, if it's from this place of love? This is a pivotal moment in this Last Supper. In John, the Last Supper is, in, uh, is uh, active, you know, and it shows us that communion in John is not just about food and drink. It's not just about taking a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice and then you're done. This is an active moment. I mean, it's about this idea. Think about it, this is the last few hours Jesus has with his disciples. The very last few hours he's gonna have of undivided attention. So what is he gonna do? What is he gonna show them? What is he trying to tell them? He's trying to tell them that it is important to love one another, it is important To love even when it's really hard and sometimes love is hard it's really hard to do especially whenever others are so needy and dependent and undeserving and this is another question I have why is the story only in John part of me wonders if the other writers they didn't wrestle with this moment too what do we do with this Because if you look at the history of the early church, they struggled, y'all, just like we did. The first things that they did over that first 50 to 100 years is they tried to figure out hierarchy. They struggled just like us. And what I love is that when you're following Jesus, when you really want to know what Jesus is telling us, always point back to Scripture. This is like an anchor for me, and I hope it's an anchor for you. Hard for them, just as it has been hard for us. And The thing that I'm encouraged by is at the very end of this, he says that we will be blessed if we do these things. Blessed. Attention from God. Now, when Henry Nouwen met Adam, um, he saw a man who was completely dependent on others. This man Were it not for a team of people and a community of people around him 24 hours a day, he would have died. He could not survive without people. When Henry arrived, he felt that others would probably be more qualified to handle this. And maybe he could work his way into a different position. For moments he wrestled in thinking surely God has called him to bigger things than this but Henry made a promise, he made a promise to stay he made a promise to love and he made a promise to love as best he could and although completely dependent Adam as Henry Henry says, Adam became his teacher This this disabled man began to enable Henry with courage This disabled man began to enable Henry with peace and a purpose that he would not have found otherwise. And soon they weren't caregiver and patient. They weren't someone doing benevolence and the other ones just taking it. No, there's no social hierarchy in the church. There's no social hierarchy in that setting. What happened is they became brothers. They became friends. They became two Jesus' followers, Christians who had a bond only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it say when at the Last Supper, the most important person in the room was willing to do the thing that no one else wanted to do, was willing to do the thing that everyone else thought they were too good to do, especially to the one who least deserved it? What Jesus does here is he shows us that nothing and no one is beneath us when it comes to loving those who God has put into our path. Because I believe when we are willing to do this, we're not just honoring that person, we're honoring God. Because when we do those least things we don't want to do, to the least of these, what we're doing is we're putting God above ourself. So I, I, I'm just going to leave you with a couple questions, because these have been questions that have been on my mind this week. How often do you honor yourself? I'll tell you, for me, it's a lot. How often do you honor yourself? How often do you honor others above yourself? The question I want to leave you with, who is God leading you to honor above yourself today, right now? That person that's in your mind right now, who's God leading you to honor? Who is he leading you to love and serve? This is the question I'm leaving with you. As our team comes up, I want you to be thinking about this. As we sing, I want you to just, if we've honored ourselves more highly than we ought, confess that right here, right now. Let's start over. It's okay. Every passing moment is another chance to turn it all around because God is just that graceful. So start here. And if you were at that place where you feel like you don't deserve it, that no one is, is worse than you, I'm here to tell you, That's not how God sees things. God wants to honor you too. Let him. Talk to me. I'll be right down here. I'd love to introduce you. Let's all stand together. Ponder these questions in this moment as we sing.